Last year, there was a huge monumental change in a, in a cultural icon in America. Playboy magazine announced as of the spring of 2016 they would no longer feature scantily clad or unclad ladies in their magazine. So I guess at that point they found out who really reads it for the articles. So you go like, wow, because the magazine that Hugh Hefner built since the 1950s is synonymous. I mean, everybody says it's the articles, but really, come on. So why did they make this shift? Why are they no longer going to publish pictures? Uh, I think of Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone. These women don't have any clothes on. Why are they not doing that anymore? Well, the CEO was interviewed by Time Magazine, and here's what he said. You know, you are now just one click away from everything imaginable on the internet. And so, basically, he was saying, Playboy has become passe at this juncture. There's far more available for free everywhere else, so we don't need to do that anymore. And so, I would just look at that and go, wow, the world has really changed a lot since the 1950s. And that's what we're doing in the series today, where you know, somebody asked the question, a lot of you actually, thank you for asking that question. We took the survey, what do you want to know about from the Bible? This one came back a lot, so we're asking for a friend, of course, but we want to know, is porn sinful? Is it okay? Because there's a lot of, apparently a lot of question about that. And for a lot of us, you may be sitting here going, why did anybody ask that? The answer is obvious. And I will agree with you, yes, the answer to that question is obvious to all of us, but we don't agree on what the obvious answer is. You're sitting maybe next to somebody, or you definitely work with somebody, or you live near somebody, or you're related to somebody who has an entirely different obvious answer than you do. Here's how I know that. Last year, a study asked the question, what is worse, failing to recycle or looking at pornography? That literal question asked, it sounds like the beginning of a bad joke, but it was actually asked of people. And according to the study, which was done by the Barna Group, a majority of teenagers and young adults in the United States will tell you failing to recycle is far worse than looking at pornography. So this is probably not the time to tell you I threw away an empty plastic bottle <laughs> and didn't recycle it. 56% consider not recycling to be uh, always wrong or usually wrong, but less than a third say looking at porn is wrong. So I, I guess one thing I'm seeing is culturally we have changed. And so your view on this question, is porn sinful, really depends on one hand how old you are. In fact, 89% of the teenagers and 95% of the young adults said that when they talk about porn, they do so in a neutral, positive, or encouraging way. Here's how, another way to think about that. If you just got 20 teenagers in a group only one out of 20 or one out of 10 of those young adults, no, the other way around, one out of 20 young adults and one out of 10 teenagers, only one of them would say, yeah, I think porn is wrong. All the rest of them are like, yeah, whatever, it's okay, or yeah. In fact, this is what I found very shocking, just for me personally. The study found that 30% of young adults actually said, not only is it neutral, they said it's actually very good for people and it's good for our culture. So I guess what I'm just pointing out, I'm not being judgmental, I'm just pointing out that as a culture, we have become quite comfortable with this topic, which is a little bit shocking to me. At my age, I'm kind of in the middle of everybody. Um, because I can remember a time when pornography was a shameful thing. Like, there's no way I would have said the word porn this many times, even 20 years ago in church. I still feel like, oh, am I supposed to do this? But uh, it's, I remember a time when, sure, a lot of people perused porn, but it was secretive. It was not something that was out in the open at all. I'm going to take a survey here. You don't have to raise your hand, but those of you who are baby boomers, you're like my parents' age and older, or you're whatever generation is before the boomers. How many of you, first time you ever saw porn, if you did, it was, you saw it at 
somebody's house because you found somebody's stash. It was your dad maybe in the den or it was somebody else's house and it was their big brother. So you don't have to raise your hand. But that, or you found it in the woods. Okay, Gen Xers, that's my generation. How many of you, first time you saw it was, again, you found somebody's stash, you found a cooler in the woods, you found it laying on the side of the road when you were just walking, or your parents got cable. And there were those channels that were scrambled and wavy, but you're like this close to the TV trying to see if you can see anything, and you thought you did, but maybe not, or the late night channels. Okay, let's go down a generation. Millennials, how many of you... You didn't go looking for it. You just got an email, and there it was. It was in the spam email. Or you just went to a website, and there it was right there. These days, you don't have to go seeking it out. You just, it's almost like you have to work hard to avoid it. You just turn on the TV, and boom, there's something there. And so it's just become very prevalent. Brett McKay runs a great website. It's called The Art of Manliness. I highly recommend it to all the guys here. Art of Manliness. He points out that porn has moved out of the shadows and it's moved into the mainstream of our society today. Anything you see, whether it's a men's magazine or if it's a TV show aimed at men or if it's just books, it's always assumed and it's written with the main characters. The assumption is that, that porn is a part of their life and that it's, it's okay. It's, that's where we've become as a culture. And we've just arrived at this place where we're very comfortable with it. And uh, it's many times even celebrated, not just considered normal. Brett McKay said, porn has become embedded into our pop culture. Therefore, it's embedded in our entertainment and it's a part of our conversations. And it's not just men either. Uh, women are more and more viewing explicit material. Can you say 50 shades of gray? Uh, and it's not just men and women, e- women either. I was surprised to find out the largest consumer of pornography in the United States is actually 12 to 17-year-old kids. So we asked, we gave you the permission or encouraged you to think about whether your kids need to hear this or not. But I'm, I'm pretty sure your kids probably know more than you think they know, even at a younger and younger age. I'm sad to say that because I do think that, um, I'll just be right up front with my opinion, I don't necessarily agree with where our society has gone with this. I don't know that it's good for us. In fact, I just don't think it is. So... Here's the thing where we're at, and this is why I think a lot of people ask the question. A lot of people are finding this to be more and more normal and accepted, but then the question occurs to a lot of us who are thinking about this. Well, is it normal, and is it okay, and are there some deleterious damaging effects that we're just not aware of? Is it hurting myself or a relationship or somebody I love? And then if you're a Christian, there's a whole another level to consider here. What does God think about this, and what should I be doing as a Christian, a Christ follower? So today, I want to do just that. We do that every time we gather. We take the Bible and we say, what did Jesus teach? What did people who knew Jesus tell us we should do as Christians? And then we try to imitate that and we move our lives toward that standard. And that's what we're going to do today. So if you've got a Bible, you can start finding Ephesians. Uh, I want to look at this and ask the question, how do we move our lives more in alignment with what God wants for us? If you're not a Christian, you're under no obligation But I would say that this is what we're going to be looking at would be a very wise thing to consider for your life. If you are a Christian, what we're going to be looking at, you're you're on the hook for this. God has expectations for us. So before I get into that, though, I I want to acknowledge that I'm talking to pretty much three different kinds of people here. And just maybe to set you at ease a little bit because you're thinking, oh, no, here it comes. So some of you, you have a a few regrets. Maybe there's some guilt and shame associated with this topic or some pain. It's it's not for you. It could be or it's somebody else that you love. There's been some damage done. And so I want you to know I'm not here to yell at you. I'm not here to judge you or condemn you. I am uh, here to tell you the truth. 
But I want you to know, God can forgive anything. God can heal anything. God can fix anything. Every sin can be forgiven. Jesus can deliver anybody from anything. So I want you to walk out of here feeling hopeful and encouraged and just feel the grace and love of God. Now, so that's one end of the spectrum. Maybe you know way more about this than you want to know for whatever reason. The other end of the spectrum, and this is why I want to be really careful, despite where our culture has come to, there are people who are relatively naive and innocent. And I want to respect that. I do not want somebody to say, I learned more in July of 2017 in my church than I ever wanted to know about a certain subject. And I can even relate to this because, ironically, somehow I made it through my teenage years, I made it through my life with not really having to deal with this topic. It just it wasn't a thing I dealt with in my life. I ironically learned more about porn at a high school uh, Christian conference, thousands of teenagers in an auditorium, than I ever learned any point in my life before or since. We had a speaker, there's thousands of teenagers, I was sitting where you are, the speaker was down front, and he had, he lived on this end of the spectrum. He had been addicted to pornography, Jesus had delivered him from that, and he had a story and a testimony to tell, and he took it as his mission to warn all of us teenagers against the dangers of sexual morality and porn. So he's just talking, and he's got these examples, and I'm sitting there, I had never imagined half of the things he's talking about, and I know he's trying to warn us, but like he's, he's like some, pointing to something I never even considered before and saying, stay away from that. Well, I didn't even know it existed. And as I was sitting there, I was incredibly embarrassed. I start turning red. I'm like, oh, I just want to get out of here. And then the thought occurred to me. He probably sees me, sees me turning red, and thinks that I'm feeling conviction. All the people around me think, like, he's got a problem. Like, and then I just turn redder and redder. So I don't want to be that guy for you. Okay, we're just... So you got these two extremes. I, I think there's a third group of, of people, maybe not us, maybe you, I don't know, who have you just kind of gone along with the current of our culture, and you've just drifted to where everybody else is, and, and you really don't see it as a problem. What I would like to do for you is just to challenge you about that. So today, we're going to look at the scripture. I would just ask you to set aside your defenses, be open, I'm not, nobody's here to point their finger in your face. Just think about this. Listen to what the Holy Spirit might be speaking into your life. And consider, is there something that I need to do differently than I have been before? So let's get into it. Scripture, we're going to start in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3. This is the Apostle Paul, and he was speaking to the Christians in the church of Ephesus, and he said, among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for holy, God's holy people. It's not even a hint of it. And then you go to what Paul wrote to the Christians who lived in the city of Rome. He told them, let's behave decently as in the daytime, not carousing and in drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Okay, so let's go on. And he wrote to another church, the church at Colossae, Colossians 3, 5. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. And then Paul wrote to another church, which was in Greece, Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians 4.3. It's God's will. You should be sanctified. You should completely avoid sexual immorality. All right, so let's just stop there. That's a pretty good survey. Do you think anybody would read these verses and go, hmm, I wonder what God wants from me in terms of my body and my sexuality. Is there, is there any ambiguity here? When he says, let there not even be a hint of immorality among you? Here, I... Let's just put it clearly as we can. God's standard is that sexual and sexually immoral behavior is completely inappropriate for a Christian. When you give your life to Jesus, there's a new way. Your, your body is under new management. 
And so you need to honor God in that way. Which then begs a question, what exactly is sexual immorality? Can you define that for me so I know legally where the line is? I think it's a fair question. I think we can ask that. I think of it this way. If there is something that is immoral, that means there must also be something that is moral and good. And Jesus talked about that. This is in Matthew chapter 19. He said, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? Jesus is quoting the Bible. He's quoting Genesis in the Old Testament. And so he said, the creator made them male and female and said, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they're no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let man not separate. Jesus is talking about the marriage relationship and he's defining the boundaries for moral behavior. One man, one woman for a lifetime. Inside that relationship, go for it. Knock yourself out. That is moral behavior. So then anything outside of that is what God is saying, stay away from that. So you think about that. It, it takes a lot of things that are a part of our culture that a lot of people are okay with. Uh, Tinder, and I don't even know which way you're supposed to swipe, but you, some of you know. <laughs> don't tell me. The hookup culture. Uh, many other things that we're talking about that we probably should just leave untalked about, that's outside of the realm of what God has intended for us as Christians. And, and anybody, whether you're a Christian or not, would be wise. This is going to lead to the best life you can have with the fewest regrets. So Jesus talked about this, and then a question might occur to you, well, okay, so Jesus says one man, one woman, so don't, don't use your body in a way that's immoral. Okay, so with porn, though, you're not really with anyone else technically, so it's okay, right? Well, Jesus actually talked about that, too. If you go on down to Matthew chapter 5, so Jesus had a crowd of thousands of people, and he was preaching to them. The topic of the sermon, one of the, we call it the Sermon on the Mount, one of the things he talked about was, who's a good person? How do you know that you're a good person? And he took a lot of the things that his Jewish audience always assumed made you a good person, and he amped them up. So, you know, the Jewish people were the ones who had the Ten Commandments. God gave them to Moses, who gave them to the people on the tablets. So Jesus is talking to the people who gave the Ten Commandments to the world. And so listen to what he said in this sermon. You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. That's from the Ten Commandments. Jesus said, you've been taught that your whole life, but I'm going to tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. People that were listening to Jesus would have been shocked by this because they'd grown up assuming a good person who is somebody who just merely stays within that fence, just, you know, don't be with somebody you're not married to and you're good. And, and Jesus did not pat them on the back and say, oh yeah, you guys are doing great. You are so much better than the rest of the world, the Gentiles. They're awful. You guys, you're, you got this one down. He said, no, here's what God really meant when he wrote that rule. And I'm God, so I can tell you what I meant when I wrote that no adultery rule. I actually meant that you can be just as immoral in your mind as you can be with your body. Because if you imagine something with your mind, it's as if you already did it. Whether it's sexual immorality or anger and you just imagine killing somebody, you've already done it. Because what you've imagined can be just as sinful. And so what, what he's saying here, God's rule is don't entertain with your mind what you should not enact with your body. It matters to God. Because what starts in your imagination will eventually trickle out into your life anyway. And so you might be, you might be thinking, well, really? But porn is not okay just because there's not another person there. Because you're engaging your imagination. And technically, if you think about it, there were a lot of people involved in the creation of that material. People involved in it, the people who shot it, the people who distributed it. So we're actually technically involving a lot of people here. 
And so Jesus says, guard your mind as much as you would guard your body. This is how I want you to live. I want you to learn to live this way. Now, a sensitive person might go, oh man, I'm like sinning every 15 seconds then. Because I'm, you know, wow. We need to be careful that we don't go to the extremes there either. I like what Martin Luther once said. He said, you, you can't avoid temptation. It's, it's like temptations can't be avoided, but because we can't prevent birds from flying overhead, our head doesn't mean that we let them build a nest in our hair either. It's not really sin when the thought occurs to you. It's really about how long you entertain the thought and what you seek out to fill your mind with and what you dwell on for a long time. I like what Pastor Craig Gross talks about. He's um, part of something actually called Triple X Church. And if this is a subject that's difficult for you because you've got some experience that you wish you didn't have, I encourage you to seek out Triple X Church. It's the only time I'm going to encourage you to put Triple X anything. But that is a place that will help you. And Craig Gross always says, you know, if you look at somebody once, if you notice somebody, you're, you're a human being. If you look twice, you're a guy. If you look three times, you just disrespected your wife. And you can swap genders and whatever you want to do there. But you get the point, right? God is not saying, do not notice beauty. God created beautiful things and, and good smells and curves and all that. You notice that, right? God made us to notice that. But keep it on the right side of the line. Be respectful. Honor what God's given you. So you might wonder, well... <sighs> What is the big deal about this? Why is God so worked up about this? Why do you even care? Like, there's, nobody's getting hurt here. This is a lot of fun. It's like no big deal, right? Why does he, can I just tell you a story why I think God cares so much about this? When I was seven years old, I got a birthday present that I think no one has topped since, at least in terms of my excitement. I've got some great birthday presents since then, but my parents gave me a Daisy Red Rider BB gun. Same thing that the Lone Ranger used, I'm sure. And I loved that thing. My parents were so wise, they wouldn't, I got to take it out of the package, I got to cock it and shoot it, but I was not allowed to shoot it. I wasn't even allowed to load it until I went to a one week long gun safety course. BB gun, really? No, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm so thankful my parents made me do this. I was seven years old, I still remember all the things I learned in that class that week. They became so embedded in who I am. I learned, you always assume it's loaded. Never forgot that. I always check the safety anytime I'm handling a firearm. I, uh, I learned you never point any gun, even a toy gun, at somebody unless you're prepared to shoot them. And these, I learned how to carry a gun so that I could keep myself safe. And if I'm climbing over a fence hunting, I know how to set it down so it doesn't accidentally discharge and hurt me, which has happened. I learned how to carry it so that I'm never pointing it at somebody else and I don't hurt somebody else inadvertently. And there's a reason why my parents made me go through this class. Because a gun can be very dangerous. I came out of that class with a great respect for firearms. I enjoy firearms. I've enjoyed them my entire life. I have never hurt myself or someone else or even come close because I took this enjoyable, dangerous thing and I learned where the boundaries and the limitations and the rules were and now I can use it safely and enjoyably. And if you don't like guns, just change the analogy. Just think of sharp knives in the kitchen when you're cooking or driving a car. Or something. Some things that are good but powerful are dangerous if they're misused. And God's not saying that your sexuality is sinful. It's nothing to be ashamed of or embarrassed of or noticing other people. It, it really is. Where are the boundaries so that we honor God and ourselves and the other people around us with our lives? 
And that's all he's trying to do. This is a very good, powerful thing. Let's be safe. So, I want to go back to a verse that we looked at earlier. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I want to keep reading because we stopped in the middle of a verse. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 6. It says, It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn. If you got a, you can circle that word because I want you, I want to come back to that. You can learn to control your body in a way that's holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who don't know God. And in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. And that right there, I love that verse because it tells you, I love when God tells me exactly what to do. It makes it so abundantly clear to me. And this is one of those times. God says, you need to learn to handle your body and your mind in a way that honors God, that honors yourself, and honors the people around you. And I love the word learn because who learns something immediately? Very few people. I mean, you might be gifted at something and you get it after one time, but most people, it's a progressive kind of thing teaching my daughters, I I already taught my oldest daughter how to drive. I'm currently teaching Abby to drive. Both my daughters are great drivers. You're an awesome driver. In the process of learning to drive, some of you have had the privilege of teaching your kids to drive, or some of you are learning to drive right now. Do you, are there times where you run over things when you're learning to drive? Are there times when you run into things when you're learning to drive? Parents just look at me. Are there times where you're terrified when you're teaching your kids to drive? (laughs) And you try not to show it because you don't want to freak them out. Abby, you're great. <laughs> so I'm trying to tell you everything about godliness is something that we've got to learn. We are sinful people and we have to unlearn some habits. And, and God says, I will patiently teach you how to respect yourself and how to respect other people. And that's, so I, I'm looking at this verse and I, I just think, can you look at porn and say, I am being honorable. I am being respectful, including respectful of the people who are in that material, people who are somebody's son, somebody's daughter, somebody's brother, somebody's sister, potentially maybe your brother or sister in Christ. Can you say that's holy, that's honorable, that's pleasing? Are you being respectful? I'm just encouraging you not to settle for something less than the mature, self-controlled person that God desires you to be, plans on teaching you how to be if you'll submit to him, and it will happen. You will become that completely self-controlled person who is completely in charge of everything you choose to do and continue to think about. And if you say, well, that's so far from where I am right now, God will teach you how to become that person if you will submit to him. That's what it means to become a Christian. It's not just, okay, now I'm not going to hell anymore. That's like the starting line, and God says, all right, now I'm going to teach you how you are going to live your life in a way that you were always intended to live, and you're going to be somebody that I can trust in any situation because I know you'll always do the right thing for the right reason and in the right way. And that's his dream for you, and that's his dream for me. And so I just want to ask you to make a commitment I don't care about what's in your past. Just would you, would you consider making a commitment that says from this day forward, I will completely avoid sexual immorality. You say, well, I've already been doing that. Awesome. Keep doing that. Make that commitment. You say, well, I don't know. There's so many things in my past. I'm not sure that God will, God will accept you. That's what Jesus died on the cross for. Anyone who comes to Jesus can be forgiven and taught a new way to live. And God's vision for your life is so much better than maybe you can dream for yourself right now. Just trust me if you don't even believe that that's possible. Just believe me that I'm telling you I can see something that maybe you can't see for yourself. And I know that because of the truth of the Bible. 
If you have somehow tiptoed through the minefield and you've come out relatively unscathed, this is a great commitment to make. If you have got a pass, this is a great commitment to make. I want to encourage you something else. It's very practical. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6.18, flee from sexual immorality. Don't stick around. You know, everybody else says, we're going to watch this. Don't stick around and see what, I'll just see if it's okay or not. No, just run away. Just avoid it. If you find yourself being pulled towards something, get out of the situation. Just run away from it. Flee it. You know, some people haven't done that. And maybe that's your story. But today can be different. I love what Randy Garris said. He's a pastor. He said, it's impossible for me to live in the light and hide any part of my life in the dark. Any secret I keep tight to my chest will inevitably partner with the evil one. So I guess that's what I'm asking you to do. Look, I've, I've said a lot unsaid today that I could say, and it's not because I'm embarrassed or ashamed of talking about stuff. It's really because I want to keep this at a, a level that I can talk to the most people. Uh, but if this is something that you need to talk about more, I'm more than happy to talk, listen to you, um, and, and point you in a direction of help. And there are other people that I can put you with that you can pray and talk with if you don't want to talk with me. That's fine. We have elders. We have elders' wives. My wife. There are people you can talk to. And um, you're not going to be judged. We're just all trying to move closer to what God wants for us. And I hope you will do that. And it's okay to talk to somebody. It's okay to just maybe have a conversation through the rest of the service, service with God through our communion time and say, God, I know I haven't been what I should be, but I'm trying. And you'll find that everything that's good in the universe will come alongside you to help you make the next right decision. So uh, one last scripture I just want to leave you with. This is Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. It says, The grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. He's talking about Jesus. And this grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. I want you to be strong in resisting temptation. I want you to be quick to repent when you do give in to temptation. And I want you to know that you have a Savior that loves you. And he knows what it's like to be tempted. He said no to every temptation, but he knows what it's like to feel the pull to do something that's wrong. And that's who we're reaching out to. And in fact, I would just like to invite you to pray with me right now. Wherever you're at, I'm going to pray. And maybe you can have a quiet conversation with God in your heart as well. Would you stand with me right now? And let me pray for us all. Father, we readily acknowledge that we have sinned. We admit that we've many times fallen very far short of what you expect of us and desire for us. And at the same time, we're told over and over through the Bible, through your son Jesus, that we can come to you, that we can come home, we can confess our sins to you, we can ask for forgiveness, we can repent, and you will accept us. So today, I'm just praying on behalf of all of us. We confess our sins to you. We ask you to cleanse us from everything that's unrighteous and unholy. We ask you to lead us towards what is pure and, and what is holy and what is best for us and everyone else. I pray for you just, Father, to keep doing what you're doing in this church. I love this family. I love how we're encouraging each other and moving each other towards you. I pray that you will continue to work and bring all the things we've dreamed that you've put in our hearts to completion. And I pray, most of all, that... Um, just anybody here today who is struggling with something, is in pain over something, doesn't know what to do next about something, that you would just make it very clear in, in, in a way that we just we acknowledge is from you. And more than that, give us the strength to, to act on it, to do something today. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.